Wow, so much time has passed since we recorded episode 19. The best daddy joke I heard since the beginning of the war. I'm so funny. I'm just hilarious. Some people might even say I'm hysterical, but I hate that word. Hi, I'm Amy Sapan. Welcome to October 7th, Emotionally Raw Coverage. Dor Comet, my illustrious partner in... Illustrious. Yeah, I love that word. Illustrious partner in... I don't want to use the word crime. Partner in... Creation. Creation. Partner in creation. It's kind of taking a backseat today as we have Jonathan Gall with us in the studio. I love your radio voice, Amy. Thank you, Jonathan. I suggest... Um, Let's do a little bit of like um, what's actually happening before we return to our uh, conversation about this kind of new anti-Semitism stuff. I think that sounds great. Right. Full disclosure, we're going to release this as if it was recorded on Thursday. Right. But it's actually Wednesday, November 1st. And and stuff is is happening. So Israeli soldiers um, were were killed in the ground uh, maneuvers in in Gaza a couple of days ago, which was bound to happen. The moment uh, people were talking about going into Gaza, we knew that uh, that um, Israeli army will have casualties. Did you talk about the the one kidnap young woman released? So there was like a dramatic uh, uh, rescue of a kidnapped uh, soldier, but the details are really vague. Like they're not telling us everything about what's happening there. Was it a heroic rescue operation or was it something else? Um, but how could it how could it be anything other than a heroic rescue operation? Like soldiers went in there, and it's not like you know, she was just rolled out in a carpet onto the I, other side I, of the border. I, I, like that's people true, put but their why, why, lives why, on the line. Why to don't they her? tell us there was a heroic, uh, uh, the the wording in the reports is kind of vague. In international me. media, the wording is vague and problematic. Mm. No, but I, I, I saw, I think they're keeping a little bit secretive. They don't want to reveal exactly what happened. Like there, there's always this, there's this, she was held at least part of the time by Hamas that I didn't really understand. Any case, she's home and safe, which is amazing. Uh, and we we were hoping for a release of more uh, kidnapped people soon. And then there's the very kind of weird new front coming from the south, uh, the the Houthi uh, uh, in Yemen, which I tried to educate myself and read a little bit about the the civil war in Yemen over this past uh, decade plus. They're backed by uh, Iran and they're shooting missiles toward Israel. So far, I think, shot, uh, shot down by American uh, warships. Some of their missiles landed in Egypt, which is crazy. Uh, but that's that's happening too. What do you think about that, Amy? The Yemenites. For those who who you know, nobody no one really knows what's going on right now, but it's impossible to ignore what was happening right before all this started, which was the push to have a normalization agreement between Saudi Arabia and Israel. True. And Saudi Arabia I'm not an expert on Saudi Arabia and Yemen, but I know that Saudi Arabia has been embroiled in 
everything going on with the Houthis? Yeah, yeah. I think they're directly fighting against the Houthis and, and they have, they're backing this sort of um, Yemenite government or what's left of it in their war against the Houthis, for sure. It's really wild. I mean, every day that's passing, something... Every hour that's passing, I feel like every five minutes that are passing, there's something new. Like if you told me three days ago that the Houthis are going to start sending stuff towards a lot, like I didn't think that would happen, but mm-hmm. yet we're here we are. So, you know, getting back to the format of the podcast for a second, we decided earlier this week that instead of meeting five days a week, originally we were meeting six or seven days a week. And we scaled it back to five days a week. And now we're meeting a few times a week. Because even if we were to meet seven times a week, it wouldn't be enough. We'd still be missing a million stories. The same day that that soldier was rescued, Mm -hmm. there were also more bodies found of kidnapped young women. Mm -hmm. So there's been a roller coaster of emotions. Like within the course of an hour, you can see that news item on TV of that family reuniting with their daughter. Mm -hmm. And then you also see a news item about the women that didn't make it out alive. Yeah. So people who were unsure of the fates of their loved ones until, you know, official word, we found a piece of DNA and we know that your daughter is indeed dead. Yeah. And and that stuff about the fallen soldiers last night, I saw an interview with the parents of one of the fallen soldiers. And it was so, I I was just blown away by the fact that they were able to be so composed on the air while they were speaking. Mm. And the father said something really beautiful. He said, you know, I'm, I want to be speaking not from a position of pain, but I want to give some hope to the soldiers that are there that we all hope you guys come out alive. And, and we're really praying for that to be the result. And if, and if you want to be like our son or honor him when this is over, then please be gentle. Please be a sensitive person. Our son loved animals and life. You know, please honor our son by, by embracing that same sort of sensitivity. And wow, what a beautiful, can you imagine like, God forbid, losing one of your kids and then coming out with this message of just, such what a beautiful message of humanity and i i can't really finish the sentence because i'll start crying but (laughs) it's there's so much going on all the time yeah also the jabalia refugee camp Mm -hmm. do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that that happened last night i'm i'm not sure that's the refugee camp i think in north gaza that was um bombed in Air Force strikes. Okay. And one of the many of the Hamas military commander commanders are said to have been there, including one of the guys who was one of the main architects behind the October 7th massacre, as well as other terrorist attacks that preceded it. Mm-hmm. And the tunnels, apparently, the tunnel network underneath the camp, because if you're, bo- I'm not an expert on this, but I guess from what I understand, if you're bombing from you know, the sky. And then there are all these sinkholes appearing because the ground has holes in it because there's tunnels underneath it. So these tunnels that are not being used to keep civilians safe, because as one of the Hamas leaders told, I think BBC yesterday, it's not, it's not Hamas's 
responsibility yeah, these to tunnels keep... are for us it's if for the, exactly it's not it's... for sheltering the civilians if the civilians need shelter the un will take care of yeah them. they even said i think they even said it's israel and the un's responsibility to keep our civilians safe the tunnels are for for war purposes yeah which is Insane. crazy Insane. so they have like war criminals hiding in refugee camps with innocent civilians we know that they've been placing road bombs keeping people from evacuating to the south mm-hmm Egypt now is opening the border for limited purposes only for severely wounded Gazan civilians, but at the same time has also said, I think today or yesterday, um, we are we are ready to go. Millions like we will we will die to protect ourselves from you know Palestinian refugees coming in, something like that. The Egyptians. Yeah, 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 they don't they don't want that to be their problem, which which I understand. I also saw that they're letting out some uh, if you if you're a Gazan and you have a foreign passport, you can also uh, get out. I saw I oh, saw is that. that the latest because the latest I heard was that there are five hundred u s. citizens that are trapped in Gaza that Hamas is not letting oh. move freely around the strip. I think that was a good recap. Amy, there's, there's, there's so much. There's, there's so, so much, much content. There's so much stuff going on. We'll, we'll never get through anything, everything. I do want to come back because you're helping me understand the young American progressive people who I see online uh, uh, talking about Zionists. And I'm, try, I'm really trying to understand them. I, I want to understand how people can... can Um, take this uh, this viewpoint so you're saying some downright just don't believe anything they don't believe they think it's a hoax it's a conspiracy they just don't believe anything anything and in their mind Israel is the white colonizer Palestinians are are the, the brown people they they align with the brown people they don't even really care about the facts or what happened on October 7th or whatever automatic uh suspicion of the Any information that comes from our side and a hundred percent belief in the righteousness of the Palestinian cause but a lot of people are doing research and reading and explain it to me how okay. are they thinking this way underdogs mm-hmm. white savior guilt stick mm. and mm, okay so Let's try to unpack that for a second because okay. I was also thinking about this like okay so have you ever been picked on at school or by friends or in your family maybe yeah so sometimes people get picked on not because they're like mean but because they really have their shit together they get picked on because they're too pretty they get picked on because they're smart they get picked on because they like get the grades that are really good and then everyone's like oh you're so lucky or you just get yeah, everything what, what do you tell your kids when your kid uh, is uh, getting shit from a bully you tell the, your kid they're jealous of you It's but because actually some people really are jealous yeah okay so I was thinking about this yesterday I wasn't thinking about it I was talking on the phone with a really good friend and I was like you know, I'm so sick of this bullshit that like Israel, like that we're just a bunch of fucking like oppressors. Think about our history for a second. Like think about the Independence Day War, like Holocaust. People came out of the camps, displaced persons camp. Like my grandfather who was in Nazi camps, Soviet camps. Then he fought in the Independence Day War. A lot of people died in that war. Definitely not a war that we wanted to start. We didn't start it. 
And it's like, after everything we went through, we could be sitting here just like bitching all the time and be like, oh my God, they killed 6 million of us and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and just give us stuff all the time and, and everyone needs to die and we're going to go kill a bunch of Germans and we're out for revenge and blah, 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 blah. But that's not what we did. We grow tomatoes in the desert, Nobel Peace Prizes. You know, we have some of the leading technologists in the world that have developed crazy life-saving technologies. Mm -hmm. It's like we are moving on like no one gave us handouts like i'm not seen as the underdog because i'm like white and i'm pretty or whatever but i'm first american born and like no one was doing my homework for me behind the scenes and then it's like you get to this position where you you're like the hot girl israel's like the hot girl basically <laughs> okay to, to to paraphrase wait I want to finish the hot girl okay, thing. Okay, okay. So Israel's like the hot girl. She goes to the gym. She like does her gua sha. She puts sea buckthorn oil on. Like she's like has her shit together. Like she eats like she eats right. She like takes care of her shit. We're she perceived like, as the privileged. Reads stuff. She like goes out there, studies, like tries to figure stuff out, tries to fix a problem. We don't, we got the desert. We can't grow stuff there. No problem. Let's try to figure it out. Netafim, and then we'll export that technology and we'll help other people solve that problem too. And then everyone's like, poo-poo on Israel because they see it like the underdog. Like there was that movie, Rudy. Do you remember Rudy? Yes. With the with the guy at Notre Dame and he's like the tiny guy on the football team. Right. But the, the point of the movie- Everybody loves an underdog story. Everyone loves the underdog story. But I was thinking about Rudy yesterday. It's not that Rudy is just the underdog and doesn't do anything and doesn't like win. He's the underdog that goes and he trains and he practices and he like, he, 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 he brings like an actual contribution to the fucking team. Nobody gave Rudy any handouts. Okay. And that used to be the underdog story. But now the underdog story is like, oh, no, they must have like, meh, 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 meh. We need to just tear the hot girl down. And it's weird because the same people that are like super ne-ne-ne about this stuff, like they're probably wearing skims and in the church of Kim Kardashian and like whatever the fuck. It's like, it's ridiculous to me that some people literally can be like the second wealthiest black person like in their state and like richer than almost every other white person, but people will automatically be like, oh, they're so poor just because they're black, which to me is such an, that is racist. Like there's something so disempowering mm -hmm. about being like, oh, well, you're like that. So you're going to stay in that category. It's, it's like a caste system in India. It's like locked in. There's no room for like any sort of real intersectionality. There's no room for like any sort of emerging beyond what you were born in. There's no room for a mixing. There's no room because everything's either cultural appropriation. So we can't even exchange like our cultural things anymore. Like it's so fucking confusing and it's infuriating. Like me too infuriates me on some level as well. Mm. Because at what point do we say enough? Women also have agency that they're not just victims, yeah. that we're not just victims. And then when we come out and we say, and we deal and we actively heal the trauma and we like deal with it and we get on top of our shit and we're not like running around like out for blood. And then everyone's just like, oh, fuck you guys. You guys are like a bunch of white privileged fucks. And the thing is, we're not only only white here. We're like brown and black and there's tons of people from around the world here and there's like Asians and then we're mixed. I mean, this is a melting pot country and it's like, it, ugh. I am in pain. I don't want anyone to die, obviously. But this whole shtick that we are like not allowed to like defend ourselves or we need to like die or we need to apologize that we developed Iron Dome. Like what the fuck?
you mentioned uh, in- intersectionality, which I, I you know learned about recently. And there's the uh, really, uh, I think, kind of iconic story about uh, a women's march or uh, or a lesbian march where a, a Jewish woman put a star of David on on the gay pride flag, and they told her, "You have to take that down. You can't march with us." because uh, because this march uh, is for oppressed people and if we're if we march for uh, the gay community we're we're marching for Palestine as well that's my stupid dumb understanding of intersection intersectional it's not your dumb understanding it is stupid like their their position okay, is stupid you're me. not stupid it means you know what that I mean? if you were that it it sounds to me like it's really reductive it means like if you're for uh if you're if if it's like why greta what's her face is uh is pro palestine because you're saying if you're fighting for the environment against the evil corporations by definition it means you're fighting for gay pride against um conservative values and by definition it means you're standing up for native uh, people and by definition it means you're against israel and pro-palestine that that means that all the bad things are are connected right and if we want to fight this one bad thing we need to fight all the bad things that's their logic in a nutshell ish but it's such a bullshit like thing i know i know it's bullshit i just want to understand but you know that- why it's bullshit like did you see the picture of greta on the train from the other day like no. it was a meme where people like have her she's on the train and she's eating and that's like a real picture she's eating like Like, like something from a plastic container and then there's like a bag of bread with plastic gotcha. and I was thinking about like how ridiculous is this that she even has like single use plastic on the table that she's eating from and she's eating from single use plastic which let's not forget where do Ziploc plastic bags come from Dow Chemical they're a byproduct of the fossil yeah, fuel of industry of course uh, there's a lot of hypocrisy I, I just want to I just want to make sure that I understand how they think yeah If they in their in the virtue signaling world of of it like in that space where it's like I'm pro this so I have I need to, to be, be if you're a young person and you want to feel like you stand up for the right causes and you're worried about global warming and you want to make sure that there are abortion rights and all these things on the progressive left you also by definition have to be pro-palestine anti-zionist is that that pretty much correct like there's no there's no room for no I'm I'm gonna be pro this and anti that like you have to be part of that movement I don't know I'm not in that age group and I'm not on those campuses but that's but definitely the like impression that, that I get yeah. and and it's it's selective it's selective right like when you look at and oh God it's I'm treading lo- into this so territory when you look at the al-aqsa mosque and where it was built yeah it was built onto the remains of the second temple of, wait, 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 hold you on. Know, so there is this who's the colonizer who who conquested of course going but. back in history it's like if you take your perspective and this is really new agey but wherever you you put your focus wherever you put your attention there it is and that maybe that's the the the, yeah, but, the, but the to, button at the bottom of this is that this is an attention these are economies of outrage everyone wanna, makes money off of this I just want to try and understand them if if so far what we said that's the thing they there they feel like in their value system they have to be pro-palestine and anti-zionist and then they for some reason or other with the type of of uh, propaganda that they read and the information that they're um, exposed to they've come to 
say, we're not anti-Semites, we don't hate Jews, we love Jews, some of our best friends are Jewish, we only hate the Zionists. We only uh, uh, think that Zionism is bad. And then they say, and then they say, from the river to the sea, right? In their mind, I just want to make sure that I have this correct, in their mind, Israel as a Jewish uh, uh, state should not exist. Is that correct, pretty much? I mean, again, I can't speak for what they believe or what they don't believe because the, the videos that I'm seeing on social media are every time like someone takes them to task and asks them yeah. a question. They get confused very quickly, and they don't even, it, it falls apart. It falls apart. They're and not fully educated. The reason that it falls apart is because it's not consistent and you're looking yes. for consistency. Yeah, I'm trying to find the logic. The, the people that you said... Uh, uh, but I, uh, invited people to an event and said no Zionists. But you're looking. What do they want? What do they think? Jonathan, if I may, you're looking for consistency where there is none. I think that the more interesting question is what is fueling this, and and this is a generation that again doesn't really trust the banks. Okay. Doesn't really have as much economic mobility. Okay. At least the millennials don't. Right. Like we're mired in debt. At least the American ones, poorer on average than our parents were coming mm -hmm. from the middle class. So what do you have at the end of the day? You have your value system and your values become your new, it's like, where do you place your care and how your you identity. signal your virtues? Like we used to have whatever music was on our iPod yeah, yeah, and yeah. who we followed on MySpace. So they have whichever causes they have. It's like they're little pin buttons that's or whatever. That's why they're so passionate and, and so loud. Because that's what they own. Those are their assets, Yeah. right? And then you have to like take it for one second, mm -hmm. one step further. What is this economy? This mm -hmm. is an economy based on outrage. The more outrage there is, the more clicks the attention-seeking technology, social media, news media gets. It's all about outrage. And these are economies that are based on outrage because these are attention economies. So I think looking for consistency here is like going down a dead-end road. Gen Zionist. With the Z and the Zionist together? Wow. Too good. But too good. Okay, now Blow I want, my mind. Now I want to say something uh, from the bottom of my heart about antisemiot. I will say it in Hebrew. You will translate. Okay. Okay. אתה נולד, כופים עליך את הישראליות שלך. אתה מבין את זה באיזה גיל, לא יודע, 20, נכון? You're born and you get this uh, Israeli identity pushed upon you and you only realize it when you're in your 20s, maybe. Yad Vashem. Yeah, when you're a kid in Israel from a very early age, you're told about anti-Semitism and uh, the Holocaust and you go to the museums and you hear about how uh, the, the whole world is against us. Yeah, heroic stories about uh, the soldiers and why it's important to join up and, and be a hero in the military. Yeah, you're 18, you go to the army and you suddenly find yourself in a combat unit and you're not really sure why. Maybe you're not a, 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 a really hot athlete, but you sort of somehow got here. Maybe you want to impress a girl or something. What's the, what's the question? Okay. As you grow up, you shed the, the, the education gradually and the identities that were pushed on you. You meet people all around the world with different opinions and different identities, and you realize that being Israeli or being Jewish is not the only defining thing in your life. Yeah. You think of anti-Semitism as something from history, from the grandparents, from the Holocaust. You don't think it's a real thing. 
You, you start to doubt the narrative. You're, you're saying maybe this whole fear of uh, anti-Semitism and the world is against us is just part of this machine that's, uh, that wants us all to be, you know, good soldiers and good kids. Yeah, and you, you, you think it's a stupid boomer, boomer thing, the, the old people. Maybe they were right. Dor is having an epiphany. You're so funny, my friend. I love you so much. My, 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 my young son. It's amazing that you had this epiphany on October 7th. I don't think you represent a large uh, swath of the population. I think most Jews and Israelis had this epiphany years ago uh, or, or never even doubted it. The thing, the thing that you're um, describing of doubting this, it's a little bit because of your uh, privilege. If you, if you are a little bit poorer... Or we're living in, in if your life was not so fucking wonderful, you would have seen this years ago that it fucking sucks to be a Jew even in 2023 and it's scary. You would yeah. And if you had lived abroad, which is something you've been fantasizing about, then you probably would have experienced it. But in you Paris, haven't lived abroad. When you were in Paris for a while, didn't anybody t- talk to you about Palestine and uh, give you a little bit shit about being a Zionist pig? I missed the France thing. He yeah. lived in France? Yeah. How long did you live in France for? Four months. Four okay, months. okay, okay, okay. He, he wasn't... He no, was, no, no, just for a while. He was on a sojourn, you know, but... I, Sojourn. What, what, I'm, what I'm unnerved by is I lived in the States yeah. till I was 25. You know, I've been to like North Florida or like Central North Florida on the East Coast where like KKK members used to hang out and like have their little rallies and shit. Yeah. And it's not like they were like not okay only with the blacks. It would be like no blacks, no Jews, you know? That's including at some of these colleges. And... So then in Israel, everyone's like, oh, she's just like a boomer sort of like that she knows about anti-Semitism. And then in America, the Jews that like, you know, get to walk this weird line where they're just like ceasefire now and not in my name. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. they don't have to deal, a lot of them don't have to deal with either serving in the military, having a parent who served in the military, perhaps in a war, maybe came home with PTSD. They don't have to deal with that shit either. And if shit really hits the fan, they can just come and become citizens. No questions asked. No one's going to be like looking at their social media now, seeing yeah. if they were storming the Capitol. No, it's it's like privilege. I, I love you, Dor. I'm happy that you, you didn't morning, realize Dor. it till, till good, now. Good morning. But um, I, I remember... I remember uh, feeling uh, what you're saying uh, in, my, in, thinking in my early 20s. I remember I had a colleague at work at the Guy Penis show, uh, a woman who worked with me, and she had relatives in Italy, Jews in Italy. There are not a lot of them, but there are Jews in Italy. And, and she told me, yeah, they're really, they're really worried about uh, anti-Semitism and, and maybe they'll come to Israel. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? This, this is maybe like 2000. She said, yeah, yeah, there are anti-Semitism. Come on. There's no anti-Semitism. It's paranoia. I grew up like you in a very cool, hippie, everything's fine. The world is good. Peace and love. Let's accept everybody. I thought, like what you're describing, that uh, anti-Semitism it was all a, a scary, paranoid thing that they're telling us. So, yeah. I had... 
that epiphany uh, long ago, I'm sorry to say. Uh, it's amazing that it held up for you uh, until, until October 7th. Yes, though, I'm sorry to have be the one to tell you, they want us all gone. Maybe it's also wishful thinking because there's something really heartbreaking to be to have to accept that reality that it doesn't matter how good of a Jew you are. People want you dead. And really understanding or comprehending that and letting yourself really get that on a, on a real level and come to terms with it and make a cup of coffee for it and sit with it and recognize it. It's so hard to do that it's something that can fuck up your whole framework for existing in the world like yeah. what we were discussing in the last episode with Fight Club and that framework that collapses and so there's also wishful thinking and let's not discount that thank you to Jonathan Gall for coming into the studios today for being a wonderful co-host as we navigate some very tricky terrain my pleasure I, I want I'm, I'm, I'm gonna come back there's too much to talk about oh we would love that I would really really love that and we'll also come up to Givat Nili if yes. the offer still stands yeah set it up thank you to Shema Productions Maya Schlesinger Dor Comet I'm Amy Sapan thank you for listening stay safe and stay tuned